the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. We are here Tuesday evening joining you to react to the wild Crazy twists and turns of no one in the top eight is different. This is the college football playoff rankings instant reaction. Look, I I do have a few points, a few teams that I at least wanted to bring up for the purposes of conversation. But when, you know, let's get out of the way at the top. If there was any expectation, because the we talked about on Monday, the polls didn't really change. The The results didn't have any reason for a great impetus for change. There was at least a conversation piece coming out of Saturday that wondered if Georgia, after taking down Missouri, a team that was number 12, is currently sitting at number 14, that paired with, you know, because no ranked wins prior to that. The only thing that Georgia could point at was Kentucky and Florida. You know, and then Ohio State plays with its food on CBS, America's most watched network, the network of stars. Is it possible that I test quality wins that it leads to a change at the top? Outside of inertia, do you think that Georgia being at number one had a had a claim, Tom? Yeah, Georgia had a claim last week. I mean, it's their resume. And their strength of schedule improved by beating Missouri, but Ohio State had two wins. Now Georgia's got one. Right. And I think that's really what the committee came to. And yeah, I think you can make an argument for any one of these top five teams being the number one team. I think if you were going just based off eye test, Ohio State would probably be the last of the five that you chose to be the number one team. But they're not. They're going off the resume, the overall strength of the schedule that they've played. And their record, and that when you combine them with or compare them to the other four teams, Ohio State has the check mark in a couple more boxes than the other ones, so they're going to stay at number one. So, yeah, um, in a weird way, 
I hate this process. I hate that we do this every week and then we have to act <laughs> like it's a big deal. But I have never respected a college football playoff selection committee more than I respect this one for not just making changes for the sake of making changes. The top eight, wow. the top eight all stay the same. See, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you still think it's a made-for-TV product to create some drama yeah. and just shake things up? Because we all watched, and we're all well, talking that's what about I said. Right I said the producers are furious right now at ESPN in Bristol. Like, what are you guys doing? This is not what we asked for. This is not hey, what we Hey, listen, want. I don't know if you're watching the show, but our soldier Greg McElroy had stats oh, yeah. and facts and things to argue about. So oh, he, yeah. he heard his name referenced on the Cover 3 podcast in terms of if you can win with Greg McElroy, you can win with any old. <laughs> I'm hopping on with him after uh, at 8.30 tonight on his uh, Always College Football, I think is good. Always Football. We don't mention yeah. other shows on this show, Daniel. No, no, listen, Greg McElroy, <laughs> huge fan of the podcast, as we know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But he was giving shades of Danny Cannell on there getting upset early in the process about they're not, there's no consistency. I was like, I was like, get him, Greg. But then I was like, Hello, they never have any consistency. And that's what the old salty veterans like Booger and Joey and Reese are trying to tell them, you young whippersnapper. It's always <laughs> like this. It's always convoluted, and they can explain it away any way they want to. Joey, he, straight I, up. He, he totally. So I do think he asked me, and he, he so his producer reached out to me. I was like, sure, I'll hop on. And then he texted me, said, thanks for coming on. He goes, I know you're going to be hot when Florida State isn't at four. So I think he thought, like I, I did too, that was a genuine like expectation. I was more surprised than not that Florida State stayed status quo um, and Washington didn't jump them because a win over uh, USC is better. Um, and if they were close, why wouldn't you leapfrog them? So I thought they would. Uh, I don't think it really mattered in the end because I think it'll work itself out. But I was I was more surprised that they left Florida State at four. Yeah, I, I thought that would be if there was a change in the top four. I thought that's what it was most likely to be: Washington jumping over the Seminoles, just because the LSU loss and Washington getting the USC win. And USC being at twenty last week was higher than my expectation for USC was to the point where I even wondered. You know, I texted you guys earlier. I was like, twenty-two through twenty-five is a crapshoot in this. You know, like I, I, I compiled everything and I said you could really pick anybody. I even wondered if USC would be able to hang on. Maybe they were 26 or 27 after that quality loss to the Washington Huskies. But again, uh, they remain right there in place at number five behind Florida State. At some point, and Danny, I'll, I'll throw this back to you. I wonder if, because the team sheet, it's got your schedule, it's got strength of schedule, but it's also got a lot of offensive and defensive metrics that are split up side by side. Florida State's more balanced than Washington is. When totally. you look at all of Washington's defensive statistics, like offense is one of the best in the country, clearly. I think that Florida State's argument, when they are splitting hairs in that room among those teams for number four and number five, my thought, looking at those two profiles side by side, is that the team sheet looks more balanced and more well-rounded with the Seminoles than it does with the Huskies. Totally agree. I mean, that was what I was wa wondering if Washington's defense was ever going to get brought up in their, you know, season so far and the dominance and where they are as rank, you know, is a ranked team. It is a liability. So I do think it needs to be addressed. They are not very good. Um, so I absolutely agree with you. I think, I think Florida State's one of the more balanced teams that's out there. You know, Ohio State fans were mad because I was getting into it with them. Um, 
I think Florida State's resume is close to Ohio State's. I think it'd actually be a really good matchup. I think I said that the other day. Like, I, I think Florida State, Ohio State are pretty evenly matched. I think it'd be a really intriguing, you know, if it was a matchup in the playoffs, I think it'd be fun. Um, they're probably, because even, I'm trying to think, Georgia's balanced. They don't have many question marks. Michigan's balanced. They don't have any question marks. But they have that's the the whole resume becomes an issue then for yeah, them. Yeah, Ohio Ohio State's offense is better than Washington's defense, but they're but flip flopped a little, right? Where yeah. the liability or or is uh, Ohio State's offense that much better than Washington's defense though? It it look we are talking about units that would rank in the forties versus the twenties, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. are splitting hairs. I would I would say that on the season as a whole. And you know what maybe the difference is? There's no defensive version of Marvin Harrison Jr. And there's no defensive version True. of Travion Henderson. So, True. you know, overall skill position talent might be the uh, the difference there. Do you think that criticizing Oregon the way I mean, listen, we've we've already given our guy Greg a lot of shout outs right here. Do you think his launch because his launching off point is if you only took the resume for those of you who didn't watch it. And obviously the number one spot for all of your college football playoff rankings, reaction news is the cover three podcast. If you only took a resume into consideration, you could argue that Oregon could be all the way down at nine. Yeah. Do you think, but like, that's it, not always taken into consideration, right? Because they look awesome. That's the problem yeah. is we also here on the podcast are going to be looking at power ratings. You know, we're going to be looking at like efficiency. We're going to be looking at the way you perform and, Oregon's nasty. They beat you up and blow you out. And mm-hmm. that's impressive. Yeah. Like if, and that, that's kind of the point we were talking about, like Joey and Booker, like saying, sit down, young man. It's like, yeah, this is, this is what they do every week. It's not consistent from team to team. They just pick the talking point to explain why they put that team there. But if you are just going off of resume, then of course, Texas should be ranked ahead of Oregon. It's got the road win over Alabama. Oregon doesn't have a win close to being that impressive, but the difference is, if you look at Oregon, in week two, they struggled on the road against Texas Tech. They won. There was the pick six at the end that made it look, you know, it was 38-30, but it wasn't really even that. It was like a one-point game until that pick six. But other than that, like, they nearly beat Washington on the road, and one or two fourth-down decisions go their way. They do beat Washington on the road. And in every other game they've played, they have pretty much beat the crap out of everybody they've played. Texas just needed overtime to beat Kansas State. It beat Houston on the road by a touchdown. It lost to an Oklahoma team that has looked very, very flawed in recent weeks. It's like Texas has the bigger win, but Oregon has been far more consistent from week to week. So depending on what metrics I test's resume, like, yeah, if you're just using a resume, Texas should be out of Oregon. If you're looking at all of it, I think Oregon's in the right spot compared to Texas. Is it fair to say that Oregon is Michigan with a good loss? Like if no, Michigan had Michigan's a game in week more three, dominant. you know, if Michigan had a game in week three versus a really good opponent and they lost in a close game, their resumes are pretty similar. And I think it's interesting because I've fallen into this, to, into this too, just looking at Oregon and be like, wow, wow, wow. But then you go back and you're like, well, where's the wow against a really good team? And I think that was Greg's point. And I think it's very uh, notable. Oregon I, is RC Cola, Michigan. Some store because look, look, RC is better than Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> All right, let me let me just go to we'll just change no tab. 
<laughs> it is because Danny, I like what you're getting at because you're talking about a team that is well-rounded, very, very good on both sides of the ball, dominating its competition. Is Oregon, Michigan with one loss? Yes, but like a shade below them on both sides of the ball, you know, and just in terms of everything. I mean, Michigan is what? I mean, Tom, do you need to start rattling off the stats again? Has anybody taken a snap inside the 10 No, No, they've played nine games. Nobody's had a first and goal. I mean, like their, their closest game has been 24 points. Yeah. And that was because they really kind of just stopped playing in the fourth quarter. They were up 31 to seven on Rutgers after three and they just took the fourth quarter off. I mean, they have completely annihilated everything in their way. It's not the same to me. I, I think if I think right now Michigan would beat Oregon pretty easily. Right, but Oregon. the profile, I, Danny, you're talking about just sort of the way it looks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I'm, I'm not saying Michigan should be ranked below them. Right. I agree with you. I don't know if they'd beat Oregon easy. I think it'd be a good I game. Do. I would pick Michigan. Uh, but I do think we're all under the assumption that Oregon's just going to roll. They're going to win the rematch against Washington. I think that's like a national common held belief. And I think it's Washington's got to be sitting there like, wait, did anybody watch us drive down the field after they didn't get it? Like, we won that game. So I think it's it's not as much of a done deal as we think. Washington and Oregon both have to play Oregon State. Total thorn in the side, potential team. Um, Oregon's got USC, which, like, was in a game with Washington just mm-hmm. this past week. So... You know, we'll see if the uh, the Alex Grinch bounce has anything to do with it. In terms of uh, the overall argument, you know, Texas is sitting there with wins against Alabama, Kansas, and Kansas State. The Wildcats, even after the loss, hang on inside the top 25. Alabama has wins against Ole Miss, LSU, Tennessee. Um, you know, those, those are going to be the spots where I think you hear from the Texas and Alabama fans uh, looking for, you know, some kind of, uh, the same kind of clarification that you ask like a high school referee, sir, 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 excuse me, sir, sir. Can you explain that, uh, that travel car right there? Oklahoma state jumps up to number 15, the exact same spot that they did in the polls. Uh, as we look a little bit further down in the rankings, uh, any, any thoughts on let's say 11 through 18 or so. Oh, I've got some thoughts. Okay. Tennessee is way too high. Yes. This is. this is my one bone to pick and i thought joey galloway made a funny joke on the show about it where he's when they said well he said tennessee got that big win over uconn so they moved them up four spots but tennessee beats uconn moves up four spots alabama beats lsu doesn't move at all just process that in your brain you know it makes sense just but for me it's not about alabama it's about missouri because tennessee didn't really move up four spots as much as teams above it fell for for losing but in what metric or resume or eye test area can you look at Tennessee and say it deserves to be ranked ahead of Missouri? Tennessee's best win is Kentucky. Right? Yes. It's okay. uh, Kentucky, Texas A&M, and UTSA. Mm-hmm. Mizzou has beaten Kansas State, which is ranked. Mizzou has also beaten that same Kentucky team. Tennessee's losses are Florida and Alabama. That's one resume loss and one loss to a pretty mediocre Florida team. Missouri's losses are to LSU and to Georgia. One by 10 points, one by nine. So you didn't get blown out in either one of them. You were competitive in both of them. 
There is nothing that says Tennessee should be ranked ahead of Missouri. So why is Tennessee ranked ahead of Missouri? And it doesn't matter because they will play each other this weekend and settle it on CBS. But just it's one of those things where it's like there's arguments to be made for everything. I do not see the argument to be made for ranking the Vols. Ahead Missouri, of Missouri. Hey, look, Missouri has quality win that Tennessee doesn't have. Missouri has good losses, and Tennessee has a bad loss to the Gators. Mm-hmm. I, Tennessee could have been as low as 19, the way that I was looking at, at it going into it. Um, Didn't we say that on Pole Assassin yesterday? Didn't we get a boo from Jordan when I said Tennessee was a little too high from the AP? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So who's influencing who here? I mean, clearly the <laughs> CFP influenced the AP with Oklahoma State, and now the AP, it's just, wow, it's all conspiracy. It's all intertangled. Is Utah too low? No. Okay. I Yards with a big jump. I like that they have Kansas where they do. That's a tremendous amount of respect for them. Well, yeah, they got, housed by, they got housed by their loss to Texas is ugly. Rankings wise, I think the Big 12 makes it easy with that 15, 16, 17, Oklahoma State at 15, Kansas at 16, Oklahoma at 17, just because of all the head to head results. Mm-hmm. They've all got seven and two records. We've got head to head results. And that's where, you know, if, if that log jam wasn't there, then you know, maybe you'd be looking at Utah being higher. But I think that they looked at Utah and they said, okay, uh, you know, you've got the win against USC, no longer ranked. You've got the win against UCLA. You've got the win against Florida. Utah's overall argument is falling apart sort of as we speak. Week 10 was not good to the Utah Utes in terms of their overall resume. The losses, though, in that 7-2 and two record, not bad at all. Oregon and no. then uh, at Oregon State, they are a, uh, they are a quality loss-ass team here in uh, this top 25. <laughs> Why? The thing is, though, I'm sorry, but the, the the one quality loss to Oregon was not really a quality loss. Like, you can't lose by 29 and call it a quality <laughs> loss. You just got your butt kicked. True. We were doing HQ the other day, and forget who it was, said, what's happened to uh, Sam Hartman? And I said, he started playing good teams. Like, that's what's really happened to them. And it's the same thing that's happened to Notre Dame. Why are they still ranked? I guess you get into this position, it's like their resume isn't great. They haven't beat many people, but who the heck are you going to put above them? Like, are you going to put Iowa? We were joking about Iowa being ranked. And it's like, who the heck do you put above Notre Dame? Do you want to know why Notre Dame is still ranked, Daniel? Hold on, let me find my hat. For Ohio State and Louisville? No. Nope, 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 nope. Nothing to do with anybody else. Who do they play? LSU and Notre Dame have no shot of getting to the college football playoff. They each have three losses, but they both remain eligible for a New Year's Six Bowl. So you keep them both ranked for now, even with three losses. So that way, when other three loss teams come, you can keep sliding them up as long as they keep winning. So that way, at the end of the year, you can put Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl or the Cotton Bowl or whatever the heck the bowls aren't for the semis this year. And that way, the game is Notre Dame versus Alabama. Ratings bonanza. That's why they're ranked. All right. So, I've been thinking about this a lot today. Ever since I realized at like 11 a.m. that you could put you could you could put Liberty at 24 and get out there and be like, well, they're undefeated. Well, they got the worst schedule in the country. Well, they're undefeated. Okay, fine. Like you, so much flexibility here. And I was thinking that. It is a little bit self-serving, not in a nefarious conspiracy way, but if the committee looks at a loss, 
like Notre Dame's lost to Ohio State or LSU's lost to Florida State and thinks, well, it's to one of the best teams in the country. It's almost like it's only half a loss, right? Yeah. And so what's, what are you going to do? Are you going to put in some other three-loss team that's lost to five and four team, you know, that's lost to a six and three team? Or are you going to almost even subconsciously adjust that record? And so it is very funny and maybe somewhat true, who knows, about how the teams at the end of the rankings always seem to have results against teams at the top because you feels like you're stuffing the ballot for the teams at the top. But I wonder if it's even subconscious where you look at the loss then, again, Notre Dame to Ohio State. Look, Notre Dame's losses. Ohio State, Louisville. Clemson's not good, at least not for the playoff committee rankings. LSU's losses. Alabama, Florida State, Ole Miss. Like Those are all top 10 teams. The committee, which loves those teams they've lost to, looks at LSU 6-3 and three and says like, yeah, but isn't that more like a 6-1.5? and one and a half? Well, I think it's a great point. I think it's exactly what we were talking about with Oregon. Like the wash, the loss to Washington it's is a, a quarter half. loss. It's a yeah, quarter. yeah, it's quarter loss. <laughs> Even better. And it's almost <laughs> like the analytics you look at when you look at uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus, and he's like projected. Now we know where the projected record comes from. It's like 9.7 and 2.3, except sometimes they don't even add up to 12, which throws me off. <laughs> I'm really confused. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Let's hit uh let's let's hit one break. Coming up on the other side, we will take a look at the week ahead, looking at the potential college football playoff implications, plus any final thoughts on the new rankings. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, reacting live to the new college football playoff rankings and looking ahead to the week. So, CFP and on would have an argument here, okay? If Arizona at Colorado is on ESPN. Six and three, Arizona, who we love here on the Cover 3 podcast. Strength of schedule, 64. Offense, eh, pretty good. Defense, middling. Good mm-hmm. wins against... Better than Oregon. middling. Huh? Better than middling. Why, because they try hard? No, they're better than middling defense. Okay, that's all right. All right. I, I gave them credit in their pun for the review. Wins, Oregon State and UCLA. Losses, Washington at USC and Mississippi State. 21 still feels kind of high, right? I mean, I know that I, I don't think so. Yeah. I love it. You know what else they can do? When did Fafita take over? 
Yes, Does that they make can the state loss yeah. count? Uh, that's mm-hmm. a joke to talk about. It doesn't. It's not a full loss. It's only a quarter. <laughs> it's a three quarter loss. <laughs> yes, if you didn't have your starting quarterback, who has made a huge difference on that. And I gave you guys the stat about Arizona's defense, what they had done against the top three quarterbacks uh, in the Pac-12. Um, I don't know if we still consider Cam Ward that, but they did hold uh, <laughs> Caleb Williams and Michael Penix to one passing touchdown combined. I think their their defense does bring back uh, memories of Desert Swarm. So I, I think their defense is legit. I love that they actually give them credit here. Because I do think, so this is, this is what I'm torn on. I was thinking about this when we were coming into the show. So the idea is that when the whole season's over, you're supposed to go look at the resume. And then it's supposed to be, well, how good a win was it at the end of the season? Like, where the teams are now? That makes zero sense. Like, really, I mean, teams change so much over the course of the season. I almost wish we would give more value to teams ranked in the top 25 at the time. And yet saying that, that's why I hate the preseason top 25. Because then you get credit for beating a team that's in the top 10. It's like they didn't belong there. I wish we didn't have rankings. I don't know how the solution is. But I hate the way that we're like, well, where's the team now? Because a win over a certain team can look much better or it can look much worse, depending on what's transpired over the last two months. It's kind of stupid. I mean, the whole thing is stupid. I like being able to say, how many wins do you have against teams above 500? That feels like a little bit more of a bigger wiggle room than were you ranked or not. You know, like but how many of the teams that you beat above 500 have wins against teams above 500? Where does it stop? No, I'm saying at the at any point during the year, I look at your like wins and losses, mm-hmm. and you look at the wins against teams that are above 500, and that constantly gets changed. So okay. that team loses. Now that's a new data point to make us reevaluate how good that win was. So what I'm asking you is. If you just rank a team or based on teams they beat above 500, let's say you beat a team that finished seven and five. We'll call them Iowa State. You beat Iowa State, Iowa State seven and five. But none of Iowa State's seven wins came against teams against that are above 500. So why is that invalidated? No, I, I think that's too complicated. I'm trying to provide. I'm trying to provide a better option than just like did the AP voters decide that they saw you on television? You know, like I'm just mm-hmm. trying to. No, I know what you're doing. I'm just being an asshole. (laughs) All right, so Tom promised he would bag on Iowa. He's just dark. No, no, I didn't promise. I didn't promise I would bag on Iowa. I sent you a text when you mentioned mentioned earlier in the show, you sent us a text that the teams 20 through 25 are just a random number generator. And I said, no matter what, I will call the number 22 team in the rankings this week a fraud and the committee a joke for ranking them. And then they put Iowa at number 22, which ruins the bit because everybody will agree. <laughs> what Iowa, do you think is more impressive? This is this would be like the one glaring example. The end of the season, what do you think will be more impressive for Florida State? A win over eight and four Boston College or a win over eight and four or potentially seven and five? Let's say it's seven and five Clemson. Like, I think we all think that Clemson is a better win, and yet Florida State was dragged for like a month being like, ah, that game against Boston College was horrible. Oh, what a horrific law. They almost lost that game. And it might, at the end of the season, actually be a resume builder, which I am not defending it. Like, I think it's that's the stupidity of what we do. It's just stupid. (laughs) Iowa's wins. That's the thing, too, like Ohio State. Like, people are like, 
Well, I mean, they struggled with Rutgers. Should Georgia go ahead of them? Rutgers right, was, Rutgers, good team. There's a road win over a team at six and two. Like, we, at some point, you got to just stop looking at the name and look at the team. Is that Rutgers team going to be Iowa? The Hawkeyes are one and a half point favorites against the Scarlet Knights. And if they are, then they better be ranked number 22 next week. Damn it. You know why they'll win is because field goals will win. <laughs> they wouldn't win against Ohio State. And they kept settling for him inside the five. <laughs> I was going nuts. They I mean, can run the ball. Ridiculous. That's that's the thing with Rutgers. They can run the ball. And if you can right. run the ball, you could beat Iowa because then they can't intercept your passes if you're never throwing them. <laughs> mm. uh, and the North Carolina Tar Heels at number 24. ACC, let's go. That's 24. Who cares? Best <laughs> wins are Miami and Minnesota. Your losses are to Virginia and Georgia Tech. Mm. They're terrible losses. Like the the uh. wins, the wins aren't overly impressive, but like beating Miami is okay. Miami doesn't suck. It's just not Miami. And then beating, you know, it's but yeah, those losses are just absolute anchors around North Carolina's neck that will keep them from getting to any meaningful. Like, even if they win out, they're not going to New Year's Six Bowl game with those losses. You don't think so? Nah. No, win, no, 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 no. Win out would be also winning the ACC championship. You're yeah, so they win out the regular season and then lose yeah. to Florida State in the ACC championship. And I'm not even – because I think Louisville can lock it up by themselves mm -hmm. with their – I might not have that right. I got yelled at because we didn't mention the Georgia Tech and Boston College paths. Oh, that's yeah. right. I was using, I was using. We had a lot uh, of people yelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was using the like, you know, what is your percentage chance of being able to make the conference championship game? And I saw that already Duke and North Carolina were really high. I forgot that there's also an NC State and a Virginia Tech and a Georgia Tech and a Boston College in there with an even less of a chance. So at this point, with all the flack I've gotten, I just really want Louisville to win this weekend and just get this over with. Let's lock it up. Let's sell out the Weston and all the other hotels around the uh, around Bank of America Stadium and go ahead and get excited for the first Saturday in December. Um, Does the all right, get to play the Char the Carolina Panthers? Would Florida State beat the Panthers? <laughs> no, but let's pretend they could. Um. All right. Anything? Uh, let's see. So again, Oregon. You know, you you are a sixteen and a half point favorite against USC on Saturday. Oh, you mentioned this one, Danny. Oklahoma State on the road at UCF. Did you see the number on that game? Two and a half. Bud was mm -hmm. kind of right. It's two and a half. I think that is an ultimate. Mm -hmm. The the insiders know something we don't. They like a team, and I'm talking about UCF more than we do. It looks obvious. I think that is trap city for Oklahoma State. Bud was not kind of right. Bud was totally wrong. He said UCF would be favored. They are not. He's Here's, off by five points. That's, that's right. a mile. That's, that's a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's a question for you guys. Nothing changed this week because the top eight teams all won. Which of the top eight teams is most likely to lose? Is it Michigan against Penn State? Alabama against Kentucky? Uh, Washington against Utah? Georgia against Ole Miss, Ohio State against Michigan State, Texas at TCU, or Oregon at home against USC. Which one of them? Somebody's got to lose at one of these games. Texas, TCU. Really? I agree. Really? 
I What's just, the line in that game? Isn't it like, isn't it 10 or something in the big 10. line? It's 10, but it's on the road. It's not a big line. Uh-uh. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I mean, it's, Texas, they've been fooling around five. a little bit. I don't think Michigan. I don't, I do not think Penn State has a shot in the hell of beating Michigan, to be honest with you. I really don't. I, I respected the Drew Aller love. I think that he's going to get his lunch eaten. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have all our opportunity on the locks pod yeah. for some fights, potentially. Maybe just, so. What about Ole Miss? Well, oh, by the way, Lane Kiffin, smartest coach out there, right? We can all agree on that. Did you see what he said about the Dallas Turner hit? Oh, it was great. He said this was the most – he said this was very clear-cut targeting. What are we doing? We need to do what the NFL does. We need to protect our quarterbacks. I'll get it for tomorrow's show. I'll have it. I'll have it keyed up and ready to go, so you can react to it. Lane wow, you mean Lane? Lane saying something just to get a reaction that is so <laughs> out of character for before him. he's playing Georgia to maybe yeah. get some. Flags. He's also he's also throwing out like, yeah, you know what Michigan's doing? That's worth like ten points a game. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure thing, Lane. Not like you've got a shot for the playoff, and it would benefit you for Michigan to be punished for some reason. But um, no, it's I I think Georgia would beat Ole Miss, although. I don't know. I, I still think I think it's Texas. But going back to the Penn State Michigan thing, I'm just I'm done believing in Penn State until they give me reason to believe them in games like this. It's like every time they get this chance, they just kind of knocked back down pretty quick. That's the smarter take. There are so many teams that if Penn State measured themselves against, they would not look inferior to. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of things really well. They just don't have really special players at a few positions. And when you go up against Ohio State and Michigan, that's kind of the difference. I mean. some One of our commenters before the show started, I saw them say it in the comments. It said Penn State is Ohio State without Marvin Harrison. And it's not totally true. Penn State is Ohio State without Marvin Harrison and Trevion Henderson. So, But other than that, there's a whole lot of truth to the, what he said. You know, you were talking about, you know, giving love to Drew Aller, which I did yesterday. He has to have a game, you know, which he clearly did not have against Ohio State. I'm almost more worried about the weapons he's throwing to. That's getting kept mm-hmm. jumping out to me. Oh, it plays a part for sure. They look average. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, there's a. They got some, they went and got some guys in the portal, and it just hasn't worked out how they hoped it would work out. They just haven't had anybody emerge. Like Keandre Lambert Smith is a good player. Keandre Lambert Smith is not a like alpha dog receiver gonna make a difference kind of guy against elite teams. Danny, you don't play do you play fantasy football? Uh no. They've got a bunch of waiver wire pickups at wide receiver and pass catchers. <laughs> yeah. They got a bunch of streamers. They got a bunch of guys that you just throw on your roster for a couple of weeks because the bye weeks have hit, and then you're going to cut them loose. And look, DeAndre, prove me wrong. Dante, caught a touchdown last game. Go like, would, I would love to be proven wrong. My, my enthusiasm about Penn State had to do with this entire passing attack, quarterback and wide receiver, everything being able to click. But – uh yeah, I just I don't think they're special, and that's yeah. that seems significant. Like I think defensively and being at home, they are going to give Michigan's offense more trouble than Michigan has had all year long. But I just don't know how they're going to score points. Yeah, that's the ultimate thing that stands out to me. Sorry, I got distracted. There's a pickleball on ESPN, Pro Pickleball Association. Who's winning? Uh, it's celebrity pickleball. Oh. Scotty Scheffler, Dirk Nowitzki. 
Even better. Scotty's oh, in this thing. Can we bet on it? <laughs> <laughs> We're going the Dirk with the wingspan. <laughs> oh, man. Can't All wait right. till Dirk or Scotty tear their ACL playing pickleball. <laughs> Scotty will be all right. Pickleball I don't know. Scotty's already got that weird thing going on with his swing, <laughs> with his legs kick out. Like, if he tears an ACL, he might be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> we will be back on Wednesday. Of course, we'll be getting into our big game breakdown, plus uh, any of the latest from around college football. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.